Iyan! Kamusta kay Jan, mga kameta? O, oh, kanina, naki, ano kay Jan, ifs drop dun sa interview namin ni uh, Secretary uh, Erwin Tulfo. No? So, umaga-umaga yan. And uh, I promised you guys, I promised you guys na mamaya magkaroon tayo ng discussion and all. Don't worry, delay lang yan. Okay, anyway, katulad ng sinabi natin kanina, magkakaroon tayo ng guests, more guests and discussions. So, nakataon lang, actually, I was hoping to pick the mind of a good friend of mine who's, who's supposedly based in Latin America and U.S. at experts in Latin America. Kasi gusto natin pag-usapan, what are the lessons that the Philippines can learn from our Latino brothers and sisters, right? As I said, we should feel more at home in Mexico than in Malaysia, right? We have more similarities with these countries than some of our neighbors, arguably, right? So sabi ko nga, may kausapin tayo dyan sana ng mga experts na familiar sa Pilipinas, familiar sa Latin America, so I thought of uh, tapping uh, uh, Dr. Cecilia Lero, right, who uh, previously was based, or then still based in Sao Paulo University. So I was thinking I'll tap her. Yung pala, nandito na sa Pilipinas. Yung pala, pwede pala in person daw. So yun guys, uh, so eto, let me introduce you my good friend. Uh, uh, ayan na, ayan na. Oh my goodness, hindi pala pwede. Nakikita niyo ba ako? Sabi niya, you can't turn. Nakita niyo ako? Wait lang, walang yan to. Oh my goodness. Does this work? Okay, eto ah. Let me see if this... Hindi, tama naman. You can... Ayan. Nakita niyo ako? Okay ba kayo dyan, guys? Is this clear? Oh, bahala na. I-audio ko yan sa podcast. Kung sabog yung visual. At least bawe tayo sa audio. Alright, so for the next uh, 30 minutes or so, wag ka munang ano, umayapal dyan. For the next 30 minutes or so, uh, ito, ito, bibigay ko sa kanya kasi low budget tayo dito. Wala tayong setup whatsoever. Isa lang to na may scotch tape dito. So ibibigay ko ito dun sa kasama natin. So kasama po natin ngayon si Dr. Cecilia Lero. Ayan. Hello. Naka ano na po siya. Naka, ayan, sige, you can use this Thank now. Thank you. Naka-PCR test <laughs> na daw siya. So, pwede na yes. siya Boosted. Nakikita niyo ba? Alright, so, I'll speak a bit louder because I'm gonna ask her questions. Uh, I hope that's clear siya. Alright, so, I'm just gonna be Apple here. Don't worry, I put alcohol in my house. ako kung hindi ka ano. Okay, medyo malayo ako para socially distance no? Um, thank you very much, uh, Dr. Lero, for joining us. It's a pleasure. Uh, so, are you still uh, affiliated with Latin American universities or you're now transitioning to U.S.? I'm not transitioning to the U.S. Uh, I finished a postdoc at the University mm. of Sao Paulo. Uh, so, now moving on and taking So, how long were you based in Brazil? Almost five years. Five years. And you speak Portuguese? Yes. It's very hard, no? Yes, it's very hard. It's very different from either Spanish or French. No, structure, structurally, it's mm. very, very similar to Spanish. I spoke Spanish right, before. Right. Uh, but the pronunciation is a little different. Mm. And so There's a lot of zhe right? A lot of zhe uh, Which you don't uh, have much in uh, yes. Espanol. Okay, we'll talk more about that. But, siyempre, nakauwi ka sa Pilipinas. When was the last time you were in the Philippines again? 2018. Before COVID. Yes. Oh, wow. Okay. So, panon ni Tatay Digong yan. Yes. Um, obviously, so those are, so you spend time between US and Latin America, I suppose, right? Yes. So, Trump, Bolsonaro, Duterte, right? So, essentially, that's the 
it's the trifecta. I, I wanted to use something, that but that's my existence. Just sacrilegious now. <laughs> let's just say uh, the axis, no? the axis <laughs> of populist, right? Now, so the last time we had conversation with you, it was actually on uh, with my good friends Mark Gumbo yes. for my uh, for uh, my other podcast, my all over the place time, and we discussed about the elections and all. Now, I think we kind of knew what was gonna happen, but. Were you surprised in any way, or was there something that was surprising about the outcome uh, of the elections? No, it was <laughs> not even the gap. Not even the you know. No, I think well. I mean, everything was consistent with the polling data, so nothing was really surprising, mm-hmm. um, and we all knew that the battle for a non-Marcos candidate, whoever that would be, was going to be uphill. Mm-hmm. On Lipera, on the uh, online machinery. Uh, on the unity. <laughs> unity. Unity. Pedigikash. <laughs> 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 um, so it wasn't very surprising. I think, if anything was surprising, it uh, perhaps the kinds of energy that mm-hmm. was coming out of the, of the pink camp um, what do you mean energy? Like in terms of the mobilization? In terms of the momentum. Because the thing is, when you work in campaigns, the last two, three weeks are really, you don't have any more surveys. So, wala, mm. ka, nang, wala ka nang objective uh, measure of what the outcome is going to be. All you have is projection. Uh, and it's normal in the uh, last two, three weeks of a campaign. Mm. Panay mobilization, panay ramp up, panay feel good. Yeah. Um, I think they delivered more on those sort of Good feelings towards the end than I was expecting. However, was there a moment na parang hmm, baka naman, diba? may, may ganon, baka naman. Like there could be a last minute surprise shift in sentiments and momentum. Hindi naman. You didn't. You, you were not holding your breath or something like that. I was not. I was trying really hard not to be hopeful, kasi tempting to be hopeful. Eh. Kasi masakit. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Tapos nga, I, 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 the outcome, therefore, is because nakaron ng ganyang mobilization feel good towards the end. Right. But I've noticed being here for the last few days is ang marami na nasaktan emotionally kahit all the all the signs are pointing towards what the outcome actually was. Yes. Kasi, and people were traumatized. Yes. And, I mean, sorry to use the term, parang PTSD na thing. But, I mean, like, yes. some people, I mean, you could see they're jittery, they're depressed. I was literally doing therapy, like going, giving them an analysis in, a, let's say, in ways that makes people emotionally accept the situation mm-hmm. through intellectual analysis, right? So I was giving talks around, I mean, not the one for a certain camp, different corporations and all, but you could see a lot of them, especially younger generation. A lot of them yes. were not happy with the outcome. Actually, major consistent young, young observation, Mosa, what I and others have also yeah. observed, that the young people, because it's, it's their first lost day. Eh? First loss. First time <laughs> bumoto rin, yeah. Parang first heart First, first na wagi. <laughs> okay. And, uh, how do you feel about the new administration? Is it as bad, good, ugly, whatever you expected it to be? I mean, again, of course, it's too early, but having said that, ngayon pa lang kasi, may kabinete ka na, so that already tells you the, the trajectory, no? For the coming months and years. If there's anything that's ironic about the new administration it's that there was from their supporters there was all this hope that it would be systemic change diba? so what na yung system yeah. so what na yung EDSA republic 
So we want something different. Eh, lahat ng mga nandun are the ones who have been there ever since. I mean, you know, politicians, trapos that have been there ever since. Mm-hmm. So, ano ba yung sinasabi mong pagbabago dun? I mean, I think people were hoping that, I mean, at, at least for the opposition guys, that at least if you have Lenny there, uh, I don't know, at least you have some anchor? Well, right? yeah, if you have Lenny some, there, yeah. you have, yung pinakahead ng government is someone who doesn't come from a political family, who mm-hmm. has a transformative vision. Uh, I mean, look at... You can be Going honest. Back. I mean, like, we're, I can uh, see you're holding back. Yeah, like, <laughs> be honest. It's okay. Yeah. We're singing, singing, Bagong Lipunan, KBL na naman. That's yeah. a 50-year-old project. Ano ba yung pagbabago na sinasabi nila? Balik sa dati yun. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, obviously, I mean, the moment nagsama yung dalawang dynasties na yan, I mean, I just thought it's impossible to beat that, right? And, uh, but, you see, there's also this wala pa kasi tayong exit polls na authoritative weirdly in these elections all but nonetheless the, the idea there is that that 58% whatever from Bongo Marcos mukhang a lot of that was less about excitement about Marcos but people don't not wanting for the liberals to come back whatever they so I mean my, that's that's what we see and in fact some candidates like Lakson, uh, if not Isko also mentioned that, that this is less about people wanting Bongbong but hating the other side. Sure, now, sure. Now, of course, I'm not saying that that's legitimate because we know that Lenny has been a target of a lot of disinformation. Sure. But how much do you buy into that argument? No, very possible because we see that that was the strategic trajectory ever since with mm. the the very well-calculated destruction of the the whatever it is that is defined as yellow or yeah. whatever it is that is defined as the the uh, liberal side. I mean, one thing that is really important for us to understand, not just the Philippines, but these uh, authoritarian populists mm-hmm. in general, is that they benefit from extreme polarization of the society. Mm-hmm. Now, I mean, when we talk about reality, we exist in a gray space. There's no absolute goods, there's no absolute evils, but they really benefit from presenting society as everything is in a is a managing deal everything is you're with us or against right. us you're good or you're bad black or white guerra palagi right. so uh, uh, we've seen the the really strategic demonization of anything that could be associated with uh mm-hmm. the Ed's republic liberal party the aquinos and marcos especially has been very thoughtful about or yung sino, kung sino ba yung mga, mga operators nila mm. about presenting Philippine history as if it was a choice between Marcos and Aquino at yun lang binary uh, yes binary yeah. hindi yeah, naman Aquino si Lenny eh. she's her own person yeah. at saka we cannot but it's very reductive but her campaign manager is Aquino the fourth Benito okay I mean that's my point right I mean yeah. that be- I'm, I'm not saying that I'm just saying optics wise that became a point of attack for them right? yeah but How the reason why we have those mm. optics are because we've been conditioned to look at every battle as if it's binary, if it's, oh, binary if it's two or. poles mm-hmm. when I mean it's so reductive and frankly insulting to to uh, reduce Philippine history and the breadth of Philippine politics and social movements as if right. it's just about Marcos versus Aquino mm-hmm. now and Leloy, 
and I hope to get Lilo also for in-person discussions while he's around. Um, was I allowed to tell his location? Like, anyway, um, <laughs> one question we had is, but is Marcos Jr. also populist? I mean, Duterte clearly was what I call a consummate populist. Populist in rhetoric, populist in mobilization strategy, populist also in actual policy, once in power. But Marcos Jr., you could say he's more tactically populist. Like, he's, he's uh, like, well, he talks very normal, right? So he's not, a, in terms of manner, he's not a populist. He's more like a traditionalist. But clearly he is campaign messaging was I'm the outsider I'm the ultimate outsider I'm the restoration of the good old days right but once he's in power we can discuss that more a lot of his cabinet appointments seem to be more again traditionally oriented people including very key cabinet positions the for the first time in 20 years almost we have a career diplomat in charge of the Department of Foreign Affairs for the first time in 20 years mm -hmm. even under Aquino we didn't have that for the uh, and then we also have a former general in charge of the Foreign National Defense right uh, we have Balisakan, uh, agriculture sure. economist, NEDA secretary under Aquino, now also the secretary for Marcos. So you can make quite an argument, like with a few exceptions of loyalists there, which we expected, press, you know, etc. That, you know, if you look at 60, 70%, it looks like legitimate central, centrist, let's put it, center right, whatever you want to put it, a technocratic, technocratic. Uh, kind of cabinet, right? So it doesn't look like a crazy populist one in the sense that. You're defying the new liberal, traditional economic order in the country. And Marcos himself, Nishanagmumura, Nishanagwawala, I mean, he's different because he uses a lot of vlogs, right? Uh, well, so, so uh, can he even be de defined as populist? Well, let's take a sense? step back and define what you mean by populist. Mm -hmm. For me, populism is about a rhetorical style. You can have populists that are from the right, you can have populists sure. that are from the left. Duterte was a populist with a super neoliberal bent. So, kind siguro rhetorically, it's all this stuff about being the poor and and, and workers and yeah. socialism. Tignan mo yung cabinet secretaries niya. It's a completely neoliberal mm -hmm. uh, uh, policies and and approaches. So not, none of that has changed. Um, when like when Murasha, you know, he, he was openly misogynist, made misogynist statements. He sure. killing uh, all the EJK issues, but. Isn't Marcos the same? In this, can we put them in the same category? I, mean, um, I think that when we, when I think of defining, it's oh, okay. Sorry, I'm stressed out low budget. Um, yeah. No, when we think about populism, it's really about this style of I, I and I alone embody mm -hmm. the people. So I can never right. be wrong because the people are never wrong, and I and only I represent them. So it's a it's a rhetorical style that devalues pluralism. Yeah. So you claim monopoly on the representation of the true will of the people, and the yes. people are whoever votes for you, right? Yes. So in a way, maybe the unity is 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 the whole unity thing. But he's, he talk, he talks about unity. Is isn't unity supposed to be about pluralism, or is it the negation of pluralism? In this case, it's the negation of pluralism. Mm. It's subsuming everything under... Homo homogenizing. Yes. Yeah, okay. And it's also, I mean, it's so ironic, no? Because I think it's also a nod to the fact na polarizing society, toxic on politics, pero, po pero polarized and toxic dahil sa yung social media operations nila. <laughs> okay, so the candidate himself is not engaging in 
Duterte Tatay style kind of offensive but no but, but mga, the supporters the impresarios you're arguing that they're actually quite polarizing and divisive right yes demonizing the opposition etc and then to be also technical about it he said yung bigas gagawin 20 peso etc that's very popular that's right classic populism economic populism right so that's what I'm saying like I'm just trying to play the devil's advocate against my own argument is mm-hmm. he really populist but the other thing I would say and here like transition at Latin America I mean one of the things that usually comes up in my conversations with our Western counterparts, academics, is that, is that you know, you go to the developing world, post-colonial world, there's no clear distinction between right and left. It's very hybrid. And so immediately it comes to your mind, Peron, in the case yes. of Argentina, yes. right? He had labor unions and proto-fascist military on the other side, and he mixes it up. And that Peronismo, right? And then you look at Dutertismo, like there's a lot of overlap there, right? Super a lot of overlap Absolutely. there, right? And then, of course, in the case of Peron, you know, the beautiful wife and all, then you see some Marcos also kind of overlap. So, so, so if you go to post-colonial nations, starting with Argentina, mm. their populism is much more hybrid, ideologically fluid, right? So that's why perhaps it's not correct to look at right-wing or left-wing bas ganito. Well, kaya nga, again, for me, populism is not an ideology. Populism is a style. Mm. I mean, lalo sa post-colonial countries, hindi mawawala yung populism as a style because mm-hmm. the majority of people are poor so hindi yeah. mawawala yung clientelism hindi mawawala yung patronage agad-agad uh, um, so having for example is it even worth it to to discuss to distinguish economic populism and uh, and uh, uh, um, social services you know, and ah, social yeah. services that are universal oh, yes, or, or targeted towards the poor. Yeah, kung ang dami mahirap, talagang automatic you have to offer them yeah. good. Yeah. Ako nga, actually, argument good like this, there's no way you can be a president in this country unless you're populist. Like, all presidents had their own brand of populism, sure. right? Aquino's populism was good governance populism. Like, you reduce that in corruption, then you can deal with poverty and all. Like, you know, each of them, I mean, it, Erap obviously went there. I could argue even Arroyo and Ramos, although not very style-wise populist, mm-hmm. were dabbling in all sorts of different kind of populism here and there, right? I mean, it, I mean, can you become even a president in a country like the Philippines without flirting with some sort of populism? Well, again, if you're if you're taking sort of what is probably a more common definition of populism mm-hmm. as trying to speak directly to the people, hindi talaga pwede at saka hindi dapat dapat talaga that the power of elected officials comes from the people right. and that you're trying to reach out to as many as possible. But if we're thinking about populism or especially uh, it's in its authoritarian variant where it's mixed with these people who claim monopoly over the legitimacy right. of politics in general, you know, mahirap. So how can you... Uh, I, I know this is a Werner Muller. Like, I, I know... So, okay, the point is, if populism is about claiming monopoly on representation and inherently is anti-pluralistic, right, which is one way of looking at populism, then can we even have progressive populism? Because if populism by nature is saying only this is right and everyone who's not with me is not the real people, then all populists, whether they start progressive or authoritarian, will end up anti-pluralistic, anti-democratic, right? I mean, how do we square that look at there kaya there are variants diba there's yeah. the ones that are are anti-pluralistic as a as a because it's the authoritarian mm. variant and there are those who claim um 
the preeminence of the majority and claim uh, 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 to overturn a system of elite dominance. Mm. Right, right. And what's interesting is that the former version, where it's really about mm. being anti-pluralistic, being about concentrating power, uh, you're simultaneously claiming to represent the people and simultaneously strengthening the elite. <laughs> see, I, that's my point. It's it's a big debate, oh, right? Because oh. once you scratch the surface, I adopted the varieties of populism on a three level: uh, mobilization strategy, uh, uh, you know, rhetorical style, mm-hmm. and third, actual policy ones in power. Because once you do that, you can come up with much multi-dimensional understanding. For instance, Jukowi of Indonesia. I call it polite populism. Like he has number one and two, but he doesn't have number three. Actually, in power, he's much more center. Sometimes even center left, right? Mm-hmm. And then Duterte clearly meets all, right? Like, yes, he was neoliberal economically, but my goodness, his drug war completely out, of, you know, yes. beyond the pale, right? Yes. Beyond the pale. Even his foreign policy conduct beyond the pale, right? So, so in that sense, for me, I, there's like consummate versus tactical populism, right? Sure. Yeah. Uh, anyway, we are not here for that. <laughs> uh, my point, ko lang is. Medyo magulo talaga ang usapin populismo. But what I want to understand is Latin America, right? Because I you know, I've been I've been among let's say few people have been very outspoken about this since especially the end of elections and I've said maybe we should stop obsessing about America and France and UK yeah. and all of that. And let's and, and and at the same time we cannot relate to a lot of our neighbors. I mean South Korea and Taiwan, I, I was in Taiwan for a long time. It's a totally different yes, culture yes. and social setup. You know, there's that Confucian background, there's that egalitarian spirit. In, we don't have that. We're a very feudalistic society. We were 300 years under the Europeans, right? Uh, then you can add the Americans on top of that. So for me, naturally, and we cannot also, we're not also that similar to our Muslim neighbors who mm-hmm. have their own religious politics. So for instance, in Indonesia, there's a religious extremism and all of those issues like that, which is much more mainstream than here in the Philippines, yes. right? Here it's much more uncertain. So, the closest that I can think about, even without watching Narcos and all of that, is really Latin America. Uh-oh. But of course, not all the Latin America is huge, right? And a lot of diversities. But can you tell us, like, from your own experience, as someone who's been steeped in these two, three worlds for that matter, what are the major similarities that you see? Actually, that was one of really the big reason why I started studying right. Latin America is because this makes sense to me as a Filipino to understand yeah. the Philippines. I understand the like the 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 way things work the way they do here mm. because yung nga, yung <laughs> but is that encouraging or just good? But yeah, I get what you're saying. It's encouraging in the sense na. Um, you know, Filipinos have this tendency to be really hard on ourselves and say, ah, only in the Philippines yeah, na, yeah. and it's not only in the Philippines. Especially traffic. <laughs> now, whenever I say, I see PowerPoints, oh, Filipinas traffic, I said, uh, Google, I mean, YouTube, Mumbai traffic, you will be thankful for Philippine yeah. traffic. Or even Jakarta, right? Even Jakarta. So I think traffic. Lele has a term for that, Filipino exceptionalism, right? Yes. So may pagkaganyan din, feeling natin tayo lang sa bog, tayo lang may problema. But Uh-oh. actually, some of our neighbors are way worse than us. Yeah, and in, in Brazil, there's a saying for that too, uh, Syndrome Viralata, right. which is like, we're these crazy mutts that don't have our own our own identity except for being 
the colonial lap the colonial mutts and uh, yeah. and we're never going to be as good as the global north so so what were the things in Latin America that you think make them very relatable to you as a Filipino well I think most obvious is of course the the Latin Catholicism mm-hmm. this very sort of strict form of Catholicism which is very different than uh, um, the way the ways that you can experience Catholicism in in the global north, yeah. um, or in Korea, for that matter. Sure. Countries, yeah. um, second is really as you said the feudalism, the shindero system. Yeah. Na you have a local boss, and codilio, codilio system. Yeah. Yes, um, and then they are the gatekeepers to yeah. to even social services or or scholarships or connections to employment. Um, a third big one I would say is the way that we've experienced uh, of course you can guess what I'm gonna say mm-hmm. a way that we've experienced uh, capitalism and economic relations mm-hmm. um, since the, the 60s, 70s and 80s this really extreme form of, of economic relations but also the cultural implications na na we can all just be entrepreneurs uh, yung, yeah. yung lie of meritocracy na as long as you work hard uh, yeah. you're going to get somewhere and not kind of libertarian no? in a sense that you know if, if you failed it's your fault right? Yes. and the state doesn't have much obligation towards you right so redistributive justice or social welfare is much less pronounced right in these cultures than let's say in other places right mm-hmm definitely not egalitarian as much like i mean like in korea definitely taiwan not. japan like or like uh yeah the the idea of, of uh economic justice as a right parang mm. hindi ang love now sa ano, sa society yeah. and of course high levels of inequality no i mean Gini yes. coefficient concentration of power among few big families conglomerates is very similar in, in Latin America and the Philippines absolutely. Right? absolutely it's just a question of who's worse right but it's I mean as a region Latin America is worse yeah but I think if we would again taking Philippines out of the yeah. <laughs> out of this context we're probably at the same yeah, the same, the same levels. level right yeah. and like like Philippines like 40 richest families on Forbes list are 76 responsible for 76 percent of newly created growth right I mean this insane numbers but not if we go to Latin America, right? You have few big families. A lot of them with Hacendero backgrounds who diversified yeah. into manufacturing sector. Yes, right? that became conglomerates yeah. just like here. So it's and really I'm not the even big conglomerates. People, right? mm-hmm. and we're not even talking about that, right? But even in terms of, for instance, susceptibility to, I mean, homicide rates, right? Crime rates are also very high in Latin America. And Philippines is also one of the highest in Asia, right? Yes. Homicide rates is very high in the Philippines. Uh, yes. Also, homicide rates are are the high. It's the region with the la- yeah. with the highest homicide rates. And then I also notice, uh, evangelist, uh, Protestant. Uh, you know, you really have a resurgence of them in Latin America, in Brazil, for instance, right? Yes. Which is very f- similar to the Philippines. We have. It's a huge. That's actually a really interesting point. Yeah. Because when we talk about uh, Bolsonaro in Brazil, right, there's been a lot of work on how this evangelical movement really helped him. Right. Um, uh, and that's always the question that I get when I do these comparisons, these Philippines-Brazil comparisons yeah. about the evangelical movement here. I feel it, but we don't have, I mean, the, the, the data is still a bit confusing. Right. But you can see it even in your interactions with with these small non-Catholic Christian groups na, na right. understand, again, the world as 
uh, an absolute battle between good and evil. Binary, then. Yes. Very binary. Yes. Yeah, and they, they love to see Bolsonaro's, I mean, li- literally the Messiah, right? Yes. Jair, right? Jair is, is, is Messiah, right? So, and then there's this also this, parang kung may solid north or solid south, meron din yung parang center area. Is it, it, there's like a geographic area in Brazil which they say it's like, it's more rural, upper, but cowboyish part of. There was a term I forgot. There was a gaucho. Yeah, yeah, something like that's, that. Yeah, yeah, that's in the south. Uh, it's so, the south, yes. sorry, yeah. And so, the south is also so much whiter. South. Yeah, uh, you know, much whiter south. than yeah, the rest sorry, of the yeah, country yeah. as well. Much whiter, much more, uh, let's say, hacendero mindset, uh, exactly. cowboyish, right? So kind of Texas. Kind of Texas, right? Yes, Texas, yes. New Mexico, kind of that kind of mindset, yeah. Interesting. Now, let's go to Latin America because. On the macro level, a lot of similarity with the Philippines. Much more overlap we have with them than, say, a lot of our neighbors. Clearly, 90%. Even in terms of weak state institutions. Strong families, weak states. Uh, I don't think that's the case in Thailand, for instance, where they had better state building throughout the decades, etc. Or even Vietnam, for instance, Mm -hmm. right? So, uh, So, going back to this, nonetheless, it looks like the, the progressive forces are doing much better in Latin America compared to the Philippines and this is something that we keep are scratching our heads around like what is going on there what do you th- why do you think progressives are doing better and let me add because if you look at the because one of the things that annoys me a lot after these elections is that this subtle bobotante attack which I hate right which is disinformation lang yan yung kabila but so what are you implying lahat nagpaloko Eh, and dami mga engineers, lawyers, like Bomoto and Marcos. Oh. Hindi sila ano. Actually, right? yeah, and that's right? something that you and I have exactly. discussed a lot. Exactly. Na ang ang lakas ng support among middle class and upper o- middle upper class legacy, yeah. for both Marcos and Duterte. Duterte yeah. won with uh, an overrepresentation of class A and people with postgraduate degrees. Yeah. And that goes back to our discussion about how do we define this kind of authoritarian populism? Yeah. That uh, how does it? Uh, um, interface with class structure right. because it's a style especially the both the Duterte style and the Bolsonaro style and the Trump style they're styles that kumwari anti-elite but also really yeah. taking advantage of the internalized hate we have against the poor kasi sino ba pinatay? mata pobre yeah yung mata pobre yes. culture yeah. I mean and the gated community phenomenon very strong also in Latin America right yes yeah, guards even worse than the Philippines yes. I would say Mexico especially right Monterrey again which is like shocking you go like to other like you go to Northeast Asia they like the rich don't live like the rich in yeah. here right even in, I, I mean I've been in KL and some of the houses like the rich there are shocked by the rich here it's like the rich there at, at most have one driver and one maid like that's luxury they come here and your rich have like 10 drivers, 10 maids, and it's not like they're, sh- I'm not gonna name drop, but like they were telling me, oh my God, your people, like, yeah. no, they're not, I'm middle class, don't, don't keep put me in them. Like even yung mga elites sa kabilang bansa, nasushock sila sa mga elites natin, like, oh. but not Latin America because they have very similar rich, right? You yes. Know, untouchable. Literally. Yes, yung, yung, the social hierarchy we inherited from the way that they governed during the colonial period yeah. is Spanish very strong. Yes. Now, going back to this, I, I want to actually also mention that, for instance, if you look at the Global Misperception Index, Philippines is practically tied with Peru, Mexico, and Brazil is even worse than the Philippines. So if you want to talk about disinformation, right, or Donner-Kruger effect, like high confidence, yes. low information, 
we're in the same we're in the same I mean we may not be in the same boat but we're all rowing in the same lake right yeah, more it's or incredibly less. so strong. you cannot again so my point is you cannot explain this away by just saying it's the disinformation factor because we're in the same because diba in QAnon nga eh Uh-oh. one of the biggest reasons and increase because of the Latino population in the US and diba I mean the QAnon conspiracy theory is doing very well among the Latino population yes yes so so going back to this So why on earth are we getting a situation where by a former farmer is becoming it became the president in Peru beat Fujimori's daughter mm-hmm. right kind of our version of you know yes. uh you had Boric a former student activist our age my goodness is now the president i mean it makes you feel like what am i doing what with am my I doing? life why am i vlogging i should be <laughs> in the government now uh no that's off the record uh it's too late no and then you have Gustavo Pedro, former rebel, oh my goodness, like NPA ng Colombia, uh-uh. who's now the, you know, who's now the president of Colombia. And it's, I would say, I would bet on Lula coming back later this year. I mean, unless something crazy happens, which always happens. But it looks All like indications. we're now talking about what they say, Pink Tide 2.0. Mm-hmm. But obviously, there was something that came before that, which is the first generation of these strong leftist, progressive uh, uh, leaders. But... Anyway, bahala ka na mag-explain doon. Basta my point is, first of all, what's going on there? So, yun, nakaroon ng... Well, another thing we have in common with Latin America are periods of dictatorship in the 60s yeah, and 70s to the 80s. Um, and then... So, uh, weak democratic institutions. Weak democratic institutions. Yeah. And a lot of holdover uh, institutions from the Colombia. authoritarian yeah. period. So... Halimbawa, it's quick tangent. Pag sinasabi ng mga tao na, oh, we should just, you know, move on from martial law kasi yeah. yan. Uh, we're still living with so many of the vestiges, so many of the institutional vestiges. And people from that And era, people. Yeah. And the money they still have. Yeah. And the systems that were set up, the systems, the bureaucracies that were set up in a way to not, to not help people but to make things complicated so that you have to pay a fixer and then you can ah, control. Ah, right. The by yung bureaucratic authoritarianism, yeah. ayun kay Guillermo O'Donnell. That's a good point, yeah. Um, so, nung nakaroon na ng, ng democratic regimes, hindi nawala yun. So, mm-hmm. I think that's a really important factor to why people are so frustrated with democracy and with reformism because, yung nga, red tape, government doesn't exist to to facilitate your life but to create problems for you, to complicate things, coupled with, of course, this the neoliberal project of dismantling the state. So, mm-hmm. nagsama-sama yun. So, um, just to simplify for our friends, when you say new liberalism, we essentially mean a system whereby the state is really there to protect the interests of the capitalists, right? Uh, yeah, or hands Fully liberalizing on. the system, like the watchman, the night yes, watchman, right? Yes, as in, when I say new liberal, I mean a, a kind of system where there's no regulations yeah. or businesses Minimal can do whatever they want, possible where the state, uh, the state basically doesn't intervene, doesn't guarantee rights, and people's, yeah. and as a result, people's lives are... are Uh, subject to the whims of the yeah. market. Um, so going back, yeah. So, so going back, so... Ubuslawa, yeah. Yeah, please go ahead. So that in several countries, you had uh, this first pink tide in like the 2000s. So you had Lula in Brazil, you had Morales in Bolivia, you had... Um, oh, I'm forgetting her name in Chile, the Bachelet. Bachelet, Michelle Bachelet, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Is Hugo Chavez part of that? The more... Uh, super left ones sure sure we could see mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. Um, and then we had a backlash where but there was why a are they called to the pink right. isn't it because they're not red yeah because I mean if you if you include Lula and Bachelet 
there's not it's not red they're not communists exactly so it shouldn't include Chavez then right <laughs> Chavez is almost red right Chavez is red I mean it's it's a matter of naming semantics yeah. I think no because I thought that was the whole point they made it pink to to distinguish them from the Bolivarian bloc right sure to distinguish themselves from the the Leninist of the movements exactly. of the 60s so I was thinking so you can maybe put Michel Bachelet and Lula in a separate uh, basket compared yeah you to, can we, I mean we can talk about Morales. gradations yeah. or or but I mean the point I'm trying to make is that there was a swing to the left there was a, a series of elections where people who were mm. on on whether center or more extreme people on the left of the ideological mm. spectrum won and with messages of delivering more basic services, right. having some more universal services, uh, combating old systems of right. elite, especially landlord dominance of the, so land the traditional reform, land reform. Yes, was the part progressive Very much. taxation, progressive yes. taxation, more taxes on the rich taxes, the expansion of health and education. The four piece natin, galing sa Brazilian, galing sa Brazil, yung bolsa, yung bolsa familia. Yeah, exactly. Yes. So, so they invented also this kind of a, let's call it 21st century low cost welfare state no and not kind yeah. of Scandinavia level but more targeted oh something that could be implemented given the the kind of resource space that you yeah. have so yeah. you you you're you're in a place where you have a lot more population a lot less resources than say Scandinavian right. countries so you're uh, um, uh, experimenting with different kinds of ways to yeah to reform yourself out of extremely unequal uh, uh, systems. Right. So targeted welfare system, like mm-hmm. minimalist targeted welfare system. Now, going back to, sorry, I'm cutting you again, because like, this is really exciting. Like, later on, we'll get questions from our uh, friends and audience. Mamay na kayo mag-alas ka doon, mag-asara. Alam ko maraming kayong sasabihin ng mga Marites State University, mga yan. Oh. Mag-nag-enroll sa MSC Marites State. Oh my goodness. Papatayin ako ng friends ko sa MSC Marites now going back to this, um, so why is the left doing better? I mean, uh, or am I being wrong to say that the left is much more robust in these countries? What makes them more compelling? Because they have same misinformation, disinformation problem. They have the same problem of going against well-funded trapos. Big. I mean, they're also armed. They have private armies. Crazy assassinations. All sorts of crazy things happen. Sometimes they even go against America, U.S. You know, hegemonic yes. powers. Like, what's going on there? And yet. They they pull it off. So so what's why why can't they why why can't we do that here? <laughs> like but well, before going there, why can't they do it? So let's go back. So we had this first pink tide. Then you had the pendulum swung to the right. Now we have a second one. So we cannot discount the fact that nangyari na in many of these countries that already builds a base. Um, at all these countries, I'm of course most expert on Brazil. So mm-hmm. even though Bolsonaro won, the PT had ground organizing they had the most like card carrying cadres uh than any other political party right they already had this this these networks and this vision uh uh, uh and much more i would say much more expansive than we've ever been able to accomplish here yeah. of those countries the one that's i think most interesting for us to study and i'm i'm just starting uh to do it seriously now mm-hmm is the victory of Petro in Colombia because Colombia is the only country uh, uh, that has never had it's never had a president from the left until now because Colombian politics has always been dominated by uh, security concerns and a lot of US intervention yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, and paramilitary groups so 
uh, but we should also note that Petro was a very successful mayor of Bogota, of the capital, for many years. So, so LGU success before he made the LGU decision. success, yeah. yeah, and showing that you could do things. My exhibit Asia. My exhibit Asia. Can, can you tell us about what did he accomplish in Bogota? Uh, is it like transportation system, welfare system, education? Like, what were like the signature successes of him? And he's an economist by training too, right? Mm-hmm. If I'm not mistaken. So he, he he personally was helping with planning the progressive taxation. Like he, he can have good technical discussion. I was quite impressed with him. Yeah. Right? yeah. So I mean, what did he do in Bogota? My understanding again, hindi ako baka masalamo kesa kesa akin eh kung ano yung talagang mm. standout programs niya. Yeah. But I think a lot, I mean, or my understanding from... what is the discussion from... in other Latin American countries? I mean, obviously, none of us are country experts, right? Unless in the case of Brazil for you, but but like, what what was the standout? Like, like for instance, Jokowi had something in Solo, right? Mm-hmm. And he took care of small and medium enterprises at the expense of big malls. He had a very successful counterterrorism approach, which was community-based. You, you know what I'm saying? Like, Or in the case of Ardoan, mayor of Istanbul, he fixed the drainage system of mm-hmm. that. So, what was exhibit A niya that you think was very helpful? I think, uh, yeah, but also a lot of the other ones are really hard on education policy, making mm-hmm. education available. Yeah. I mean, this is one sense in which the Philippines stands out from a lot of Latin American countries because we have a very high literacy rate. Yeah. And I mean, yeah. And I think, that, I mean, there were still municipalities with less than 50% literacy rate in Brazil until the, right. the 2000s. So that's where more, we are more Asian, right? In the sense that literacy rates are quite high in Asia, right? Yeah. East Asia, yes. East Asia. Although right? for us, it's because of the, the Thomasite nuns, no? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that makes... Well, the Americans, no? Yeah. Americans were... That's one good... At least one good legacy Americans for was the education system, right? Including a lot of us were like UP products and all. Um, So, some did LGU. So, how, what about the case of like Pedro Castillo, for instance, in, in Peru, right? I mean, he was a farmer, like activist, and then, and he comes from a uh, ethnic minority, right? Indigenous background, mm-hmm. China, so, uh, so, I don't know, like, so what happened there in Peru? How, how would they were able to beat the Fujimoris, who have still the majority in the legislature, right? Yeah, I'm a lot less familiar, but I know that Keiko has been trying to run for mm. a really Three long times, time. Three times, I think, yeah, he yeah. lost count of how many times, yeah. Think, yeah. And I think these these issues of indigenous rights are also becoming more and more important of indigenous mm. and land rights that perhaps we haven't been taking so much advantage of here. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it, one of the biggest issues in in including in Peru, Colombia, but also Brazil, also Chile, is the has been the marginalization of Bolivia as well. The marginalization of uh, indigenous people, indigenous people, and basically non-white people. Yeah, yeah. Amerindians. Yes, and in in Colombia and and Brazil, of black people. Yeah. Uh, and then you have that uh, uh, interfacing with a lot of environmental degradation that is mm. causing huge, huge mining and things like that. Mining yeah. uh, um, dams, crop uh, deforestation. Cash crop, yeah, yeah. That is causing huge. I mean, not just for not just that it's bad for the environment, but it's killing people like yeah. all the time. Um, and so I think that there's a lot of consciousness about that, and and uh, really movements of solidarity about about the rights and the the value that should be placed mm. on non-white right. peoples in Latin America. Yeah. So 
going back to this, like one big difference I see with some at least Latin American countries in the Philippines is going back to the economics part, right? They had they had robust manufacturing uh, experience, and that also went hand in hand with strong labor union movements. So yes. Lula is a product of that, right? And we know that if you look at the Scandinavian European cases, Germany, Scandinavia, that manufacturing labor union was the bedrock of social democracy and much more progressive politics, right? Uh, although America is an outlier in many ways, we can discuss that separately. So I can understand why, for instance, in Brazil in, or Chile, for that matter, much more developed countries, like you have a strong labor union movement and the labor union movement uh, is kind of a bedrock of a more robust civil society. Like literally, they can bring warm bodies to the streets. That yes. matters, right? Yes. When you have a showdown, you, you should be able to bring people to the street. And labor union guys are also very good in negotiating wages. Mm-hmm. So that, that gives them the leadership skills they need at the highest level, right? Uh, and that's probably the problem in the Philippines, right? Because we did, we're never really a manufacturing-driven economy. Our labor unions have been very, very weak historically and even weaker in recent years because of neoliberalism. So I was thinking maybe that's one issue. But I think about it and like, what about Bolivia or what about... I don't know, Peru, they're not really a manufacturing demon. They're like more tourism, services, agriculture, right? So how do, how do you explain the fact that they're very well organized, right? So like I'm trying to argue against mm-hmm. myself. Like I may be able to explain the case a bit in Mexico, more in Brazil, a bit more in Chile, but I cannot explain it in the less manufacturing-driven economies, wider civil societies are better organized. Because you know, then we get into cultural arguments, and I don't want to get into that. Well, I think there's one there's one cultural argument that's important, which is the mm-hmm. fact that it is a region, and then you have contagion effects. So yeah. you have, I mean, these countries are not self-contained. They inspire they each other. They each other. learn from each other. They go out and organize uh, together. So there's, I think, has been a big effort of mm. horizontal learning as well between right. a lot of these countries, especially when it comes to the labor movement and the landless, the right. peasants' movements. Yeah, so there's a lot of transnational movement going yes. on there, right? And I mean, and the fact that Lula was one of the early winners. Lula has a, yeah. had and has a very internationalist... And Brazil is the big guy there. And the Brazil is the, is the power player in the yeah. region. Although Argentina might have second thoughts about But no, let's go. No. Not even close. You're not Argentina. They're like, we are all, they're like the French. Of <laughs> not Latin even America, close. Right? Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, there's a role model there. Like, there's a, Brazil is just so big, right? And Lula was the most popular guy. And invested in a lot of solidarity work, yeah. training, and and ah, doing lessons with other with other uh, parties. And loans, did, right? Development loans to some of the poorer countries in the region, right? Yeah, they tried. I mean, they yeah. I, they tried to set up bricks. They tried to make a, a an alternate financing pool. Yeah. Um, um, it's worth it to to mention also in the nineties and two thousands there were. We, we used to have more south-to-south uh, relationships. Yeah. Um, there was a lot more international NGOs that funded learnings between between particularly the Philippines and Latin America, for example, and Africa. Right. And I think that, unfortunately, has been drying up in recent years. Now, so, so far we talked about the structural factors, right? But what about personalities? How important have personalities been? in pushing the boundaries of progressive reform because that's where leadership skills comes in because you may have the best civil society you may have all of this but if sabog yung leader hindi uh-uh. inspiring hindi charismatic wala rin mangyayari yun ang exact nangyari sa Brazil eh 
kasi napaka-charismatic si Lula. Tapos nung yung the one who followed him was Dilma, hindi siya ganun ka-charismatic. She wasn't able to negotiate the way that Lula was able to negotiate. And misogyny probably. And misogyny as First well. First Brazilian woman. Yeah, so, so naging problematic ulit. And I think, I mean, for all that, mm-hmm. don't get me wrong, I would be very happy to see Lula as president again, very much. Um, but the fact that mm-hmm. it's him again and not a second liner, right. it's something... That so there's a vacuum of leadership also, or more like not allowed for them to break out. I mean, there was this environmental minister, female, right, under Lula, or was it Rosa? Marina? Yeah, 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 exactly. who ran. Yeah, yeah. Um, if there's, it's hard for me to place a judgment to say that there's a vacuum or mm-hmm. there, there are second liners, but none has been developed that can approximate yeah, break Lula. Out, yeah, break out. So they may have long-term problems. But for now, Mohong 2.0 is doing well, right? Yes. And, and you expect them to work together? You think yes. Boric, uh, Pedro, uh, Castillo, and, and Gustavo Pedro, they will work with each other? I think so. Mm. I think so. All the signs are there. But nakakainggit, nairita ako. Yung diba? ASEAN natin, puro mga club of dictators. Eh. Like, si Jokowi lang yung medyo democratic. Like, look at it. The entire ASEAN, it's really Jokowi who's really, I mean, no offense to our friends but it's you come Latin America it's it's half half right or 60 sometimes right Uh-oh. and sometimes by chance they get a more decent American president who at least pretends to be more democratic like Obama at least right yeah. he, kind of pre- he met Hugo Chavez yeah and this is where suddenly I feel bad na parang yeah wala tayong role models dito sa region natin and the ones in the north are just too different from us the yeah. Japanese and Koreans I cannot relate to them we're different from each other, diba? I mean, even Asia, you yeah. go to an ASEAN conference, uh, yung languages lang, yeah. and, 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 and we're always the loud one. We're like the Americanos, right? Yeah. We go there, we, we swagger, the... right? Well, the Thai and Vietnam, they're all nice and prim and proper. Like, yeah, it, it, it feels lonely in ASEAN, to be Uh-oh. honest, to be a Filipino when I was thinking about it, no? Uh, while in Latin America, I mean, Brazil has the language barrier because of the Portuguese-Spanish, but that doesn't st- stop them, right? From No, and I mean, most Brazilians can understand Spanish. Ah, yeah, Brazilians, even if, of course. Even yeah, if yeah. Spanish speakers can understand Portuguese, yeah. most Portuguese speakers can understand Tennessee, Spanish yeah, speakers. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking about it. Now, going back to the Philippines, and this is where I am at troll na tayo. Sa Pilipinas, kamusta ang ano? Um, you have had interactions with the left, etc. I'm just... Checking lang, are we still on? on okay. Uh, kamustang, <laughs> kamustang Pilipinas. So where are we going right and where are we still going wrong and what we should do down the road dito sa Pilipinas. And, and just to be clear, uh, let me be centrist, right? And my point is, even from a centrist position, right? Kung wala kang maayos na opposition, wala kang maayos na demokrasya. I mean, yeah. you just have, you have to have proper yin-yang. I mean, like in, in mature democracies, parliamentary democracies, you have shadow government literally. As in literally my shadow foreign minister, shadow environment. Like they can take over anytime yes. if there's a change of government. And then Dito is like you have one hegemonic government block coalition and then good luck na lang, di ba? So, well, something has to be done here, right? Something has to change. Natin, all of the progressive or leftist part candidates for the House lost. Mm. <laughs> so now where are we? There's one progressive senator. <laughs> So, yeah. um, what's going on? I mean, what's your assessment? I mean, all of us have our ideas, but what, what's going on there? I think 
something okay first of all I hate this are, are liberals even considered progressive I mean as the mainstream Filipino liberals are can they even be considered as progressive because my sense is you put them in Latin American they'll be actually in the conservative side right a lot of their policies are not really not even pink well they'd be centrist I, I guess mm. but because if we think about we can divide the world the political world into left and right and we can also divide it into pro and anti-democracy uh, okay i get what you're i saying. mean yeah, that's yeah. what we're seeing the example i always or go liberal, to is uruguay liberal, yeah, yeah the example i always go to is uruguay and the frente amplia that right. you know you had parties from center right until the left all joining together to be against the dictatorship right right and we see the problem of this in in the u.s now for example with the the trump investigations and you have a couple of personalities who are really really rightist like liz cheney yeah. who are now going uh, against the green right? yeah who are who are being very vocal in terms of no, we need to protect democracy as an institution. We need to protect democratic procedures. Right. We need to reject political violence. And that's where the authoritarian versus democratic distinctions come from, even among conservatives. Right? Yes. They're both conservative, but one is definitely on the major alanganina. So going back to this, yeah. Um, so the liberals, in that sense, are pro-democracy, right? I mean, you may have questions whether how progressive they are, but clearly they accept pluralism. Mm-hmm. as the only game in town right okay that, that's a good way of looking at it but okay tell me more about any assessment of uh, progressives of philippines what went right what went wrong because i think many things went right i mean in fairness lenny went from five percent in service last year to 25 plus percent right uh she increased even her numbers yes. from 2016 which is quite astonishing because binai did that tried to do it his number reduced by 60 percent right he got like more than 30 million votes I think 2010 when he ran for president he got like barely 4 million right Lenny actually increased from 14 to 15 right and she has 50% more votes than Marwas got in 2016 of course the base increased but you get what I'm saying it, it doesn't look like a completely depressed situation it's just that the other side was so unified yes that they got 60% of the votes so some things went right and Riza you know she got re-elected and that was in a very tough senatorial race. My goodness, yeah, two, two this, two that. You know what I'm saying? Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. So grad, masikip talagang, but he still, she, she was able to do it. So, as depressing as things may be for some people, I mean, in fairness, under very difficult conditions, they pull it off. But still, yes, we cannot absolutely. deny the fact that there's a risk of permanent opposition situation here, right? Yes. There's a risk of permanent opposition. There's also a risk of uh, burnout. Because if we, even if we look at those who, who we would probably consider progressive sympathizers in this last election, organized And I think that also speaks to, speaks to the success of efforts to make politics so toxic yeah. that people who want to do something good for the country are not joining political uh, uh, organizations. What they're doing is, oh, I'll do some charity work here, or I'll have like some... Yeah. artsy club here but you politica yes yeah. but all we're, everything we're going to do is going to be nonpartisan, yes. and I think that's that's really damaging pa-centrist na lang it's too toxic politics 
Yeah. And not and, to mention, I'm hearing so many people saying, "My migrate, migrate." I mean, there are already some people, like friends of I know, they're migrating or getting out. Like, is it like that in Latin America too? Like when people get frustrated with elections, they migrate along to US. Sure. They cross the border. Is it the same? Yeah, because we all have this colonial mentality, yeah. no? Na things the, must be better over the, there. The pasture is yeah, the greener. Um, but uh, apparently, enough still stay stick around, right, to make things happen in Latin America, right? Yeah. I mean, otherwise, how can they win the presidency in these offices, right? Yeah. Um, I think something that's really important that we need to ask ourselves as well is that this wave of what to call it these new authoritarians or even the the new left wave what people are looking for what's what they have in common is that they're anti-systemic candidates they 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 yeah, present themselves as being anti-system mm -hmm. and so the big question now for the left and progressive forces is are we <laughs> which is ironic because it's the same question that we've had right after the fall of the the first marcos regime right is where are we in terms of progressivism or radicalism? Radicalism not in terms of being, uh, I, I use that word meaning, meaning being anti-system, like, like trying to change a system from, mm -hmm. from root to stem. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I don't mean it in the, in the real bad extremist sense. Transformative yes, politics. Yes, yes. Right? Yeah. Um, what I think a clear lesson that we have here is that people want systemic change and perhaps mm, we've dumb. been perhaps we've been concentrating too much on reformism because because I don't know we underestimated ourselves because uh, we found because political structures have given us more opportunity in the legislature versus in executive positions mm. in LGUs um, perhaps uh, we're too scared to risk even the weak democracy we have yeah. to go for more radical options that parang we believe we can get there via reformism. Yun nga, I mean, I mean, there are people who cannot wait another 10, 15 years for reforms to, you know, to yeah. give them a chance. They want something now. And I mean, I was one of the few idiots who attended two meeting the Avance, right? Towards then. I, I, I naturally had to be in Makati because I had interviews about the election. So the first one naturally was the Lenny one. Mm -hmm. But I went to the Marcos one and, you know, I saw people, I mean, people got tears in their eyes when the nostalgic music came out, all the martial law and all of that. Like, and, like, Shepard, you can be judgmental about it. But, you know, like, the first thing I said is, like, good luck convincing these guys that they should wait 10 more years maybe through gradual reform and all maybe their children will have a chance no these people want something tomorrow so that's where the whole talano and all they might not take it literally because a lot of them are very educated well but they want a politician who dares to tell them something radically transformative like even as crazy as it sounds they cannot wait like let's be ref like it's, it's they can easily say madali para sa kasi comfortable ka sa system eh. uh -huh. anak mo makapag-aral dito sa uh, college kami talagang walang wala kami hindi kami makapaghintay at ayaw din namin magtrabaho sa abroad napakahirap ng situation ganun kaya nga kahit pinagtatawanan niya si, si Bongbong Marcos yung unity and all alam mo it appeals to us I mean this is what uh, empty signifier right that's yeah. the term in capitalism yeah. right so so that's what I'm saying like I, I saw how emotionally resonant it could be like when you read the body it's like you can be you know snooty about it it's like ah oh, this people 
But when you see it, how people are emotionally invested in these things, and they're so desperate. Yeah. Because dysfunctional in democracy, natin, it's, disf- it's not weak, it's dysfunctional. It's really dysfunctional. And I think you really said the key word, which is emotions, diba? Right? Yeah. Because I mean, at the end of the day, unfortunately, campaigns are more about emotions than, unfortunately, than, than policy proposals. And I think when you're, uh, to be someone who is pro-democracy, to be someone who's progressive, you're at a natural disadvantage because yeah. because democracy is messy. It's not simple. And when you're an authoritarian populist, Short-cut. you have the natural advantage because everything is oversimplified, everything is shortcuts, everything is black and white. Yeah. And yun, yun. It's more emotionally appealing. No? I, by the way, Ernesto yeah. Laclau, yeah, the one I was an empty signifier, right? Yes. Yeah, I mean, it's something that may, upon scrutiny might not make sense, but it's the the audience impact is huge. Yes, right? and you impute it. It allows the the recipient of the message to impute their own meaning. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, it's it's an abstract painting. Yeah. That gives you the emotional drive, but there's no specification because that's where it gets exposed as being nonsense, right? Exactly. So that's the genius of populist messaging. Now, do you think the left should make also more exciting, sexy kind of messaging and all? Like, you, do you think there's a communication problem Yes, here? of course. And I think that's, I mean, that's the left all over the world, diba. Right? The left mm. loves to talk about process and people want to know results. the results. Exactly. Yeah. Um, they uh, want the bacon. Yeah. They want the bacon. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think that's interesting. Yeah. it's important for, for us on the left, including me, yeah. to really think about what is the vision, what is... Yung ano ba yung results, and not like a list of laws that I would like to change. But ano yeah. ba yung talagang kinabukasan na na gusto natin and at, at kaya natin right. explain. Capitalism is really good at that, right? Because capitalism sells this myth that as long as you work hard, you're going to be rich, you're going to have all this stuff, and it's easy, it's, it's tangible, it's aspirational. It's aspirational, exactly. Um, and that's a little and 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 that's. And it's harder to do when we're talking about progressive politics, when we're talking about society, whole societies and communities, because you're not yeah. just depending on on your own perceived hard work, but you're also depending sa kapwa mo, which is inherently frustrating. Yeah, I mean, can be. the thing I say is, parang, of course, human rights is extremely important. Of course, transparency and accountability is important. But how to make this sexy and appealing in a context whereby the problems are so fundamental uh, the, the water the electricity the food uh, every day on the table right but Chaka, what do those even mean i think another thing that that's that's common among a lot of yeah. countries in the global south not just the philippines is that we we talk about democracy and transparency and accountability and governance and we use these big words because like the civil society likes to use these words because ngos like to use these words the un likes to use these words how do you translate that into things that i can eat things that i can hold things that i can wear Uh, you concretize it yeah right or make it i mean the the term i use for that is life world right this german philosophical Life world is something that gives you everyday energy. You know, it gives you a sense of like, for instance, watching some enter- Netflix is life world. Like genius politicians, they make abstract ideas a matter of life world, right? They make it some. I mean, in a way, that's what Duterte did, right? I mean, let's be honest. The drug issue was not that bad, but it was bad enough for for it to resonate. But Duterte made it a kind of a yes. kitchen table issue, yes. right? And so my point is, you may disagree with him, but these 
he got good tactics. Oh. How he made uh, not number one crisis a number one crisis by making so well, imagine if we can make progressive issues a number one crisis if we can make it them a kitchen table issue you, you get what I'm saying like exactly yung napansin ko talaga dun mga usay talaga mga populist talaga lalong authoritarian populist oh mga populist I mean that's really the also the key to why I mean why do corrupt politicians get elected why do people sell their votes mm. because, because it's not a priority priority oh. is competence priority is delivery of services I mean Paul Sage, I mean, again, with Lay, sorry, I caught you there because Lay pointed this out, the discussion we had, is, which is that back in 2010, the first priority was good governance, transparency. Can analysis you know, yeah. By 2016, it was slightly more lower. By 2022, it was a secondary issue. Oh, oh. Competence, yung husay, kakayahan, was number one among mm-hmm. the voters. But so, I mean, and Pinoy got elected in a situation where Glory was so unpopular yeah, and so corrupt. And I think... Perhaps we can even be a little bit arrogant here. Na at that time, baka hindi ko lang kung bakit yung mga nanonood sayo, pero at that time bakit? there was like because I feel like a lot of the younger generation doesn't remember how yeah. how crazy it was under GMA din. Uh, there was a new scandal every 2-3 yeah. weeks. It seems like a slow pace nowadays, pero at that time parang we thought shit kakapago dito kasi every every 2 or 3 weeks there's a new corruption scandal and new discovery. Yeah. And I think people from the part people forgot about Duterte. Diba? I talk about Duterte, people tune out. Like, hey, we're still living with his legacy. Hey, wala na yan, tapos na. Pasay na. Kawawa naman si tatay. I think we did a good job at that time of concretizing mm-hmm. what that corruption meant for people, for people's lives. Right. So, talagang galit yung tao sa corruption. And, and, and so the Pinoy uh, uh, campaign benefited from that. Right. Um, because may emotional resonance. Eh. Yeah. Galitang tao. Eh. They're looking some for someone to blame, right? I mean, that's let's let's not. That's the point, right? Arroyo. I'm sorry. Aquino was able to mobilize the anger emotion at Arroyo. Duterte was able to mobilize it against Aquino, who came short on certain level, and then Marcos mobilized it against the whole yes. system that replaced his fathers. Like he went meta. Yeah. Meta anti-system, right? Yes. So that's really how I saw this happening. It's like meta anti-system from. Meso to meta. Mm-hmm. Next, uh, like, like Aquino was micro, like this aspect is corrupt. Duterte is, no, 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 it's a whole liberals. And, and then Marcos said, umalis kayong lahat. Yeah. Kami talaga dito ang tama. Eh. Talagang balik na kami. Ayusin namin yung lahat kayo, umalis kayo dyan. Diba? And I think that's why Duterte kind of was very unhappy. Uh, aside from the fact that he thought his daughter should be the president. Sure. Was parang, ano kung ibig sabihin ng balik niya na lahat kami, at yung pwera talaga. At the end of the day, it's still all about you. Parang ganun ang nangyari in the end, di ba? Oo. I mean, the optics looks like that. Oo. Kasi, I mean, I also think a lot of it is about, let's just, we want to clean our name. We want, this is for, yeah. for rewriting history <laughs> and not necessarily for accomplishing rewriting anything. Rewriting the chismis. Rewriting chismis. <laughs> Forget about it. Rewriting the chismis though. Yeah. New chismis, yeah. 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 Kasi wala naman, wala naman na-mobilize niya yung anti-systemic na sentiment pero wala naman binenta na anti-systemic na vision. Yeah. It's really just about Unity. reclaiming reclaiming fast glory. Pwede may Gcash yan. Unity, sagot yan sa kahirapan. I don't know. I mean, one thing I appreciate, forgive me, Lord, for, I mean, medyo chill ang <laughs> bagong present. Like, I'm so, hindi pa ako nakarecover with the six years of Duterte. Like, it was really traumatic. 
I mean, uh, you know, like of course Trump was doing his own thing there. Like every day was crazy. Yeah, but every is that good or bad? Okay, for this is how I got reality. Put it. If uh, you're if you're a realist progressive, this is what you're gonna say. The worst may be behind us, but the future is not bright. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> now make something. You get what I'm saying? That's I think a, that's something again that's we have very much in common with both Brazil and, and yeah, the US. Yeah. Because you mga science of industry, and yeah. I don't mean that in a good way. I mean like these really really right wing guys yeah. who run stuff in the US. They're looking for somebody who's uh, Trump without the crazy bits. Yeah. Ganon din sa Brazil. Oh, sanita. Yung polite, sa polite Trump. Polite, polite. Oh, polite Bolsonaro. Yun ang yeah, yeah, gusto polite, nila. Yeah. Itago na lang natin sa pangalan Desantis. Alright, so. Oh, oh. Um, so parang yeah. that's what we have. We have. Ah, so uh, you're saying this guy is a sanitized version of that guy? Pwede, possible. I think you have a situation where. They're gonna keep doing yeah. the bad stuff that they're doing, but it will be slightly mm. less controversial. Cause say you have a, a buttoned-up version, right. uh, sort of pushed up a bit. Yeah. Yes, I see what you're. Or like the other guy had to do the bulldozer, and now they can put their own asphalt on it, right? I mean, put it in. Way, in. Right? Yeah. I mean, Bolsonaro, Duterte, Trump broke a lot of precedents. Yeah. Challenged a lot of norms. Forget about laws. I yeah. About even norms, right? Yeah. So now the field is suddenly open for new things to happen, right? And now people suddenly are even okay with this. Like, ah, at least tapos na yung bulldozer face, oh, right? You, know? oh. you get what I'm saying? Like, if you look at it, it's actually even war- more worrying at that level, no? Ako, I, I use the political science term of hybrid regimes, right? Yes. It looks like this is the most likely outcome for the Philippines. The future is Hungary at best. <laughs> Just to put it, Hungary is the best scenario I can look at, I mean, in a way, right? Or, yeah. or Malaysia. Then, I mean, Hungary. If constitutional change, if no constitutional change, Malaysia one hegemonic illiberal coalition. Then. And then with slight competitiveness for opposition here and there, right? Like Omno in Malaysia, oh, they don't oh. even need to change the constitution. They keep on winning with slight exception, then they're back again, right? Yeah. So I can see Duterte Marcos kind of having that Omno version in the Philippines without even constitutional change. I can see that as well, because if you break all the norms, you don't need constitutional change anymore. Yeah. I mean, it's it's sakit lang sa ulo yan, It could just irritate people. But if you're daring enough, like Ardoan or Orban, let's go. Let's change the constitution altogether. I mean, like one question we always ask is, do you think do you think Ferdinand Marcos Jr. is willing to retire under Cory era constitution? And when I think about it, why not? Like who cares, right? Like we'll do what we do, right? Initially, I was thinking maybe not, maybe Marcos. And then I was saying that, but if you're Marcos, like why rock the boat? Exactly, the they don't is, need to. I love the boat. It's Lamborghini. It gets me oh, where I need to go, right? They don't need to. At saka, at saka, yeah. yung pag hindi magrewrite ng constitution is a way for them to have uh, an answer to accusations of being authoritarian. Yeah, exactly. Right. So why go? Why stress <laughs> yeah. yourself out? Why can't you have it? In fact, Bongo Marcos exactly said that they're list here. It's like I see the point of federalism. I party federal lang na niya, diba? But ay nantao eh, parang. But the thing kasi nanalo si Robin Hood yung pala official name niya Robin Hood Padilla really on the federalism thing and he's the head of constitutional amendment and I think the Duterte's really want federalism because that's good for them because federalism is good for we know who right people are powerful in the margins sure we still have 
full almost full control over their birth. But I mean, the federalism project during Duterte's regime was a total shit show. But <laughs> sobrang gulo. No, because Duterte was a bog, right? You can say that. But Marcos is much more disciplined, right? He's chill, but this. I mean, I don't know. I mean, the point is, Marcos has six more years at least to get this figure out. So I'm just ar- arguing against myself what I'm saying. But even without constitutional change, yeah, yun nga eh. I don't know. I mean, I'm just saying. Like either case, I see either a Malaysia or a Hungary down the road, and that's even the best case. <laughs> I see a Hungary. Unless the opposition has this moment of I don't know epiphany, whatever, etc. Like Lenny Sana. goes superwoman, and then I don't know Risa goes tag team, and then like I don't know. I don't want to. Yeah, I mean, I I also don't want to peg us that we don't have hope. Of course, we have hope, but it depends on us on on yeah. how we. Re, not just re rearticulate, but but reimagine yeah. who we are and the role we have to play. Yeah. Oh, by the way, sa mga team natin, na okay magalit. We're just talking about hypothetically about the opposition. Ito naman, may mga Ilocano friends jan. Ito naman tayo. Thank you so much. Nagkita ko na ubus alaway kana. I'm sure you're highly in demand. Alam ko inanap kana maraming tao. So thank you so much, Dr. Lero, for joining us. Uh, hopefully we can uh, catch up with you later this year uh, about Brazil elections and of course midterm elections in the US oh, you're, a, Absolutely. You're, a, you're an American too right so maybe we can also discuss about those and what does tell about the future of things and then catch up also tie about the Philippines in the meantime welcome to Manila enjoy the return of the Marcos so like, how can I put it right I don't know it's more relaxed than the other one but as I said the worst may be behind us but the future is not necessarily bright so <laughs> I don't know. Sorry, I'm being like almost <laughs> Eastern European uh, dark comedy, right? So, salamat. Thank you very much. Let me just Thank go you. back to the questions that people may have. I don't know kung nakita niyo ako kami at all. Let me say, ayan. So, sabi ni Lorna, beauty and brain ka daw. Ayan. So, <laughs> ayan you, tayo. Diyan tayo na pupunta eh. You know what? Let me go from the top. Okay, let me go here. Ayan. Okay, you know what? Let me do a greetings first. I do my own ritual. Okay. Ayan. Umalis na siya. <laughs> One second lang. Ako may tanong. Mag-thank you muna ako sa inyo. Ay, nilagay sa ears na kasan. OC din pala siya. No, no, I'm kidding. So, ito lang kailangan pala. No? So, thank you very much guys for joining us. Salamat kay... Eh, medyo ito yung radio show. Uh, Papa Jackson. Love radio style. Thank you kay June. Laksa for joining us. Ayan, tabingi daw. Ayan, sorry na. Hindi naman ako'y mahalaga. Mahalaga siya. Tsaka yung sinasabi namin. Don't worry, upload ko mama yan sa podcast natin. Uh, pakinggan nyo na lang dyan. Ayan. Kamusta naman dyan mga kazadi? Zadi na daw ako. Hindi na fresh. <laughs> Naomi, tablate. Ayan. Kamusta naman dyan? Mga kakusi. Sana mga mites natin from Australia. Ayan. Uy, ang konti ng stars niya. Taasan niyo pa. Di na ako mag-imbita ng tao. Walang niya kayo. Kanina, 1,000 lang stars niya nung si Anong Kausap ko. Mga madaya ito mga ito. Pag si Lenny lang topic, ang daming binibigay. Bias to mga ito. Mga kamarites, thank you very much. Can't watch out the video properly because it's upturns. Sorry about that, Ernie, because I was just trying to make it... But... Ah, tabingi daw. Ayan, sorry. Mag-adjust sakit sa leeg. <laughs> Pakiayos ng camera. Pero kanina pa yan eh. As in, wala kayong nakita maayos? Ay, ang galit na sila. Yung camera lock function. 
Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. I think I made some mistakes with the thing. But at least narinig nyo naman kami, alright? Thank you kay Ella, Gasper. Yan ang sinasabi ko. Kaya nung nagsuggest ka na in person, sabi ko magkakaroon tayo ng issue sa logistics. Sabi ko, zoom na lang. Uh, hindi kita sinisisi, sinasabi ko lang. <laughs> hindi ko na-figure out eh. Kasi ano eh. So I think I should have just put it like that. Just and, put it yeah, farther away. Yeah, I know. But kasi pag ganun, at least it gets more... May ano pala tong Facebook Live. May mention drama ng ganun. Daniel, Miranda, thank you very much for your support. Ayan. Ito daw, can't watch the video properly. Ayan, dami manggagalit. Dapat, ay, baka yung mga tumatawag sa akin, ganun. Eh. Yung parang, ayusin mo yung camera. Ay, hindi si ate yan. Diba? Iba yung drama. Thank you kay Maria Villahin for your support. Sakit sa leg, prof. Sideway ang camera. Talagang, it's okay. You learned, uh, we learned the lesson doon sa mga next guests natin. Kulang kasi tayong budget. Kung maganda sa budget, ano yung mga multi-camera ganun? Yung mga vlog style ni BBM? Medyo Paul Soriano, director, Tony G, ganun. <laughs> Ayan. Wait lang. Ayan na. Puro mga reklamador to mga to. Walang iya kayo. Oh, sabi ni Oliver, I almost send this star, pero mamaya na lang. Ayan, mamaya na. It's time to send. <laughs> Ayan. With the new format, nice discussion, sabi ni Eden Olonan. Thank you very much for your support. Ayan. From the island of Catanduanes. Maraming salamat. Walk out kayo. Walk out saan? Alright. Ayan. Maganda daw kausap. Magandang usapan. Walang iya kayo. Yung mga comments niyo, mayos kayo dyan. Bablock ko kayo. Mhm. Wait, wala kayong substantive questions. Wait lang. Daming Ito, ito, ito si Mike Roasa, itong boy libre, wala siyang comments. Ay, kasama tayo John from Turin, Italia. Grazie to Hello. Thank you for joining us. Ayun, 3 in 1 daw. Ariyan. Sana si ano, si Madam ano, Jella Jella Jella. Meron akong ano eh. Ay ay ay. Ayan pala si Ma'am Jella. Thank you very much. Group Hulk daw, sabi ni Cherosal. Nag-gets nyo ba yung discussion namin? Ayan. Ang daming comments na Pagod ako eh. I think they're just talking to each other. Wala silang paki sa atin. May sariling ano dito. Uh, K-drama daw, itsura mo. Sabi ko nga, di ba? May pagka-Korean. Uh, hindi ko siya na-meet sa Seoul. Ha? Dumiretso lang siya sa... Pilipinas, nalaman ko lang biglang nandito. Thank you kay Rene, Orense, kay Reynaldo Chavez. Hindi naman related kay Hugo, no? Ayan. Ang daming kuda na to. Okay, actually it might be better daw to ponder into what ifs current moves from PBBM. Yan, yeah, na-discuss na natin yan. Medyo yung Hindi naman ganun nakikita ko. It's a good discussion. Let's just listen. Ah, yan no? Buti pa si Angeline Simons. Hindi nagnenega. Sabi na, let's just enjoy the discussion and all. Daming nega eh. Okay, yung iba. Daming drama. Daming kuda. Uh, hina ng boses nyo. Ang lakas ng ulan. Hindi, pero yung boses niya clear, diba? Malapit yung sa'yo, diba? Ako hindi clear. It's okay. I'm just... Uh, Daming kuta to mga to. 
Ayan, baliktad daw. Okay, kasi ito mas sa mga friends natin from Japan. Oo, ayan tayo eh. Oh, landscape nga, yung landscape. Di ba dapat gumana yan? Ito sabi ni Esther Nekor, Democracy is not a party of choice. It is a civilization of choice. Ayan talaga tayo. Next level. Ah. Poetic tayo dyan. Ah. Foreign topic nga. Pinagsapan namin Latin America. Nagireklamo pa kayo. Walang iya. Merienda muna daw. Oo na. Ayan. Inabuso ko talaga yung guest ko. Saan na itong walang... I'm having a hard time finding... Ayan. Capitalism, sabi ni Stephen. Bagging the West and the first world countries already controlled most of... Ayan. So, meron tayo may progressive. Ito mm-hmm. yung new liberalism. Alright. Okay. Truth, Jamie admin was scandalous. Okay. So, this is what you were saying a while ago na parang biglang nakalimutan niya. Oh, kahit masakit para sa akin na may... Ayan na naman tayo. Anong, anong, anong drama to? Ano yan, Grace? Anong lyrics na ano? Charot? Ang daming charot. She's right. Populists have the advantage in a democracy. Yung sinisabi mo na they can offer blah 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 yung kabila na yung offer nila. KPI. You know what I'm saying? It, yes. It's very hard to go against that. Oh, Cebuano ka daw. Hindi po ilongga ako. Ilongga. Yeah. Medyo delikado tong combination to. Ilocano, Tagalog at Ilongga, Tagalog. Basta naintindihan nyo na. Pwede na yan. Oh. Oh, eto. Eto yung sinisabi ko. Rewriting chismis. Hindi rewriting history. Wala na history. Chismis na lang daw yon. Sana Marcos will focus on building the nation and disregard yung pagbabango ng pangala, pangalan nila. So not focus on, on disinformation. And Sana sa- namalik kami at maging magal- magaling siya, di ba? Oye, ako. Wala akong sinasabi. Ha. Ito lang mga to. Baka maretag <laughs> pa ako eh. <laughs> Wait lang. PRD had the trust of the general population from the start of his administration. Well, I mean, the ba explanation with that performative populism, right? Mm-hmm. Performative. Dolomite bitch, right? Jan makasang mga populist eh. Again, Dolomite bitch is the classic case of empty signifier except it's a white sun. Na yes. fake, yeah, so it works eh. Yun ang kulang ng mga progressives eh. Masyadong mm-hmm. makibaka. Ayan si Ma'am Jocelyn. Joining us from Florida, ito yung mga, ano ko, mga galante kong kaibigan. <laughs> mga supporters. Kay Riz Annie, thank you very much for your support. Ayan na, nagbibigay na sila ng star. Mariles Young, thank you so much for your support. Yan si Ma'am Eunice, very kind of you. O, sabi ni Ma'am Fanny San Miguel, salamat daw dun sa guest mo. Thanks po, Fanny. Ayan. O, hello naman daw, just from Melbourne. Ito sabi ni Stephen. Ito si Stephen, maraming kuda yan. Sabi niya, Paan how to fix a dysfunctional democracy? Ay, mahabang usapan yun. Uh, isa pang meta na lang tayo dyan. <laughs> Sobrang mahabang usapan. Uh, Pero, start with engaging, mm-hmm. being part of political organizations, not just parang charity organizations or apolitical, building political parties, um, and being less toxic online. Okay, and give more stars. <laughs> Joanna Leta, thank you. Sorry, just being Ilocano. Alam mo yung after yung sayo ka sa park, tapos yung hat mo ganun. Uy, kukollect na kayo. Ayan, si Ma'am Fanny San Miguel. Yan, yan. Oh. yan. Maganda daw ang ano, nice discussion. Uh, ayan. Yung iba mga showbiz comments na hindi ko na pinapatulan. Pansin niyo, quiet lang ako. Okay. Yan, yan. Ayan, ilongga daw, sabi ni Stefan. Yan. Ano mga... 
Okay. Thank you na ha. Umayos na kayo. Let me uh, say how much I appreciate the fact na kahit tabingi at masakit sa leg nyo. Nakahabol kayo sa discussion. But don't worry. At least I hope her voice is clearer than mine. Wala eh. Sobrang low budget tayo. Let me figure out what to do about this. Maybe next time I'll put multiple laptops or something like that. Uh, and uh, yes, i-upload ko to sa uh, podcast ko para mapakinggan nyo na mabuti. Kung medyo yung visual is not as nice, no? Anyways, thank you very much guys for your support and maraming salamat also to you, Dr. Lero, for, for dropping by and good luck with your time dito sa Manila. I hope you enjoy it and uh, sabi ko nga sa'yo, zoom na lang tayo eh. <laughs> no, but we had a very good discussion. Thank you very much. I think umabot ng 1 hour and 30 minutes. So, wow. nakikita ko ubus laway yata tayo dito. So, thank you very much. Yeah, yeah. I think we should just experiment ka natin pag ganyan kalayo. Ayaw nga, no? parang pwede nga eh. No? Ganun lang pala eh. Wala. Sorry. Ganyan talaga. Ganyan talaga. Tapos na election. Wala na. Finish na. That's it. Tapos na. Oo nga na. Dapat ganun na lang, no? Well, there's always tomorrow. Bukas na lang kita mamahalin. Okay? Ganyan na lang tayo, guys. Okay? Next time na lang. So, pa- ganyan na lang. Try ko invite kasi sila Lelo and all. Oh, buti pa. Fully bang friends. So, ikaw naging ano ka, guinea pig ka. Yeah, I know. But it's okay. I mean, the audio is, I hope, good. I'll check the audio later on. Gunnern, yan. Gunnern. Sorry na. Sorry na. Kasi dati nang sa Samsung ako, ginaganan ko, nag-work siya. Wala na. Huli na lahat. Tapos na daw. Finish na. Alright. Thank you very much, guys. O mga kamarites, umayos kayo dyan. Kumain na kayo. Gabi na. At itong guest natin, marami pa siyang mga meet So, ano lang. Siningit lang tayo sa schedule niya. So, thank you very much again, uh, Dr. Lero. Salamat din. Salamat sa inyo. Okay, musical obligado is that the Portuguese? Obrigado. 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 Yeah, okay, vamos, vamos. Okay. Khalas, khalas. Okay. Maraming salamat. Thank you very much, guys. Uh talk to you soon.